What is up, guys? We are live. Welcome to the Bags to Riches podcast. I am your host, Zach Ginn, and I made this podcast because I was a high schooler in real estate wholesaling with zero dollars, and I started as a bag boy into bandit signs. And honestly, that's how I made my first 100K. And one of the first guys I thought I'd have to get on this podcast is another guy as a teenager who got into bandit signs and went literally from nothing to something is Alex Signs. So you guys have probably heard of All In before. I got Carlos and Sal on the podcast, and now we finally got the last All In guy, Alex Signs. So Alex, thank you so much for coming on today. No, appreciate you. Yeah, it's uh, we've been waiting for a little while, so I'm glad to uh, to be here. And for everybody watching this, I mean, welcome. I know uh, it's, I know it's going to be a good one, so stick around. All right, sweet. So uh, let's get off from the top. What is your story from nothing? All the way to becoming a millionaire at 22 years old with the power of real 22. estate wholesaling. 22. Wow. So uh, tell me, what's your story? Yeah. I mean, uh, first and foremost, Zach, uh, I mean, thank you for, for having me on. Uh, I know you don't just have anyone on, so I'm, I'm honored and humbled. Uh, but yeah, for those that don't know who I am, uh, my name is Alex Signs. I'm now 24 years old. I'm here in Phoenix, Arizona. I've uh, been uh, wholesaling and flipping, now doing some developments. Uh, you know, started at 18, uh, like Zach mentioned, uh, straight out of high school. You know, I graduated high school and, you know, like many people, you know, I really, you know, believe that I had the skill sets and the view to really be, become someone, right? Like I knew uh, that there was something out there greater for me. I knew that um, I knew I didn't want to live, you know, uh, you know, by society standards and, and, you know, just really live in myself. I, I really wanted to uh, go into a business uh, that allowed me to create an infinite infinite amount of uh, not only money but fulfillment and really time, right? Because for me, I was you know chasing the time freedom uh, more than anything. Uh, so 18, I graduated high school. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, Jalen White, uh, he closed a deal um, two days before graduation, and uh, and he showed me his bank account. So I was very fortunate to see that this business was real. Right. Like a lot of people looking from the outside in, uh, you know, they think that, you know, it's a scam or it's too good to be true or you need money. You need credit. Uh, you need you know, you need rich parents or you know, just all, ex you know, you they feel like they just require so much, uh, so much more than actually is, is you know, is actually needed. Right. So uh, so I knew this business was real from the get go. So I never had to battle those uh, challenges of not believing uh, it's true. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I started at 18 and a half straight out of high school and I thought I was going to get a deal like my first week. Uh, you know, I had, I had the, the mindset of like, oh, this is easy and I'm just going to go for it and I'm going to make, you know, a bunch of money in a week or a month. And, uh, and life really hit me, right? It took me nine mm. long months, nine long months, uh, to get my first real estate wholesale deal. Right. And this was uh, at a time in my life where, you know, my parents had just recently divorced about two years prior to that. I was really in a dark spot. I didn't have any financial support or really any emotional support. There was no holidays. I mean, Thanksgivings and Christmases were pretty, you know, spending around in you know, my friend's house versus like family. Right. So like there's a huge void and disconnect in, in my life. Right. So that just made it much tougher. I mean, and then during the nine months to my first real estate deal. My mom ended up moving. Uh, my mom ended up moving to Nevada, 
so then I had to ask one of my high school friends if I could live with him. And this is just graduating high school. So, uh, I mean, back is against the wall, like fully, right? I have no money. I have no job. I have to live at my friend's house. I have nobody to call up and say, hey, help me or hey, loan me money or hey, uh, you know, I need I need money for marketing. Right. It's like I had I had nobody to reach out to. Right. And in and, and those times, I, I you know, a, a huge part of me really victimized myself and, um, you know, really, uh, you know, just felt really sorry for myself. But, you know, during those nine months, like I just kept, you know, you know, uh, hitting the pave. I just I just kept, uh, you know, con- uh, being staying consistent to what I thought would get me my first deal. And I just kept, uh, you know, staying focused on uh, banded signs and door knocking. Right. And I did that for nine months and I put out, I mean, over a thousand banded signs. I knocked on a few hundred doors. Um, you know, for me, it was like the lack of information that really limited me. And now it's like, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, podcasts and interviews and all this information out there where people could actually learn and they have access to that. Right. And this was for me, it was 2015. There was information, but I just didn't know where to look for it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so nine months went by. Uh, really, really tough, uh, you know, place in my life. And I, uh, I ended up getting a deal under contract here in Phoenix, um, by a bandit sign. It was a $5,000 deal that I got the house for 110 it was worth about 160, 150. And I assigned it to a buyer at 115. So I was going to make $5,000 at this time. This is, uh, you know, this is November of 2015. It's like my seventh, eighth, eighth month in the business or trying to get my first deal. And, uh, you know, I had uh, I had that five thousand dollar deal closing and I quit my job the week before. This was like Christmas time that, you know, 2015. I quit my job banking on this five thousand dollar deal and uh, I get a call on closing day after I quit my job. I have rent coming up at this time. I'm living at a studio and I get a call from the seller and the seller says, hey, uh, my dad has cancer. We're not going to sell the property. Right. So, so imagine me working, you know, working so tire tirelessly and just so committed to like really out of survival more than anything, trying to make this business happen. I get this deal under contract for 5,000. I quit my job, which was at that time, not the right thing to do. Um, and then, you know, the, the seller calls me and tells, tells me his dad has cancer and they're not going to, uh, sell the property. So there's nothing I could do at that point. I wasn't going to strong arm a serious situation like that. Uh, so here I am like heartbroken, right? Heartbroken because again, over a thousand banded signs, this was like my first, you know, uh, potential deal, my first potential check. I was banking on it so hard and then it just fell apart and I was just so close. And at this point, like, because of, because that happened, like month eight, I, I totally quit real estate. I'm like, I'm done. I want no part of it. It works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm good. And, uh, you know, it led me to like about two, three weeks of like pure depression. Like it did, like I was so crushed and hurt again. I didn't have anyone to call. And, um, uh, you know, I, you know, just speaking the story, I could feel the emotion because it was like, I just felt so down and crushed. Right. Um, and the way that it all switched around, right? Like there's, there's, you know, and the story's still going on, but the story really shifted was, uh, you know, I'm about two weeks, two, three weeks after I lost that deal. Um, um, you know, my, my girlfriend invites me to Buffalo Wild Wings to get food. We drive by her grandma's, she's going to get ready. And she says, Hey, uh, do you want to come inside? I'm like, no, I'm, you know, I, I'm okay. 
So I stay in the car. I had a you know eight hundred dollar Ford Taurus with no tags, no insurance. I didn't have the money for that, but I had a car, so I was grateful for that. Um, and uh, my girlfriend went to get ready inside. I'm in the car, and again, I'm, I'm crushed. You know, like I mean, I'm talking. You're talking. I'm talking like two weeks of just like not going out, staying inside, like watching ESPN and like playing video games all day because I just like life was too real for me. And uh, it was in that moment where I was waiting outside for my girlfriend and uh, I was hearing the Christian uh, station radio and uh, they were talking about a, a message, right? Uh, a verse from the Bible. And, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but the message that I heard on the radio was God doesn't put you through a road that you won't come out of, right? That he won't provide the way out. And I just, in that moment, I felt so much, I felt a connection that was void for like, probably a few years, right? And I felt this reassuring feeling that it's gonna be okay. Um, and that moment I felt the urge, right? This, this is like, you know, this is, this was a very life shifting moment in my life. I felt the urge to drive for dollars, right? Like go around the neighborhood and look for vacant houses. And that's exactly what I did. I left my girlfriend at her grandma's and I just started driving for dollars. She's calling me like, where are you? I'm like, I'll be right back. So I, I, I drive for dollars in, in South Phoenix, where I'm at, and uh, I see a vacant house. I call that, I, I look up the owner on the assessor. I call that house, nobody answers. The next house that I see, um, I call the, uh, you know, I find the owner's name on, on the county assessor. I look up his information on uh, an app called Intellius, which I don't recommend now, but back then that's all I knew. Um, and the, uh, all the there's about four or five numbers on the on the seller's uh, profile. I called all of them, and none of them worked. Right, and I had this. I just had a thought. I'm like, call the relatives, right? So I click on the relatives of this of this seller's profile. You know where I'm looking for his number, and uh, there's a relative. It was a lady's name. It, he she didn't have the same last name as the seller. So I'm like, she's not. She's probably not related. Uh, I end up calling that that uh, that lady. And it ends up being the actual seller, right? His name, uh, wow. his name was Jose, right? So it's like all these, all this divine. It was just, you know, the synchronicities were just like whoa. Like so, I call the relatives' uh, number. It ends up being the seller, and then I, I give him the pitch. Hey, I'm, you know, my name is Alex. I was driving by the area, and uh, you know, just curious to see if you're interested in selling your property here on. It was on uh, Tonto Street. Uh, it was on Tonto Street. In, in Phoenix, and uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'd love to sell. He's like, uh, if you take across, if you take a look across the street, I have another property. Uh, you can, uh, you know, you can buy both if you give me the right, the right offer. And uh, so there's two houses on the same street; they're both vacant. And I'm like, okay, I'll call you back. Uh, he's like, call me back tomorrow. I call him back ten minutes later. I go on Zillow. At this point, I really don't know how to run numbers. I, you know, I haven't bought a course or I haven't really dove deep into it. So I called back and I uh, I offered him uh, $50,000 for both properties. And the guy hung up on me. The guy hung up on me. I'm like, what did I do wrong? So then I, I like take a, a further deep dive into what the property's worth. And these houses are worth like 120 each, right? Like retail. Um, and they needed a lot of work. So then I called back and I said, hey, uh, you know, what, what would you sell these two properties for? Like, what's your number? What's the best you can do? And the guy said 100,000. And, uh, and I'm like, would you take 60? He said, no. I'm like, would you take 70? No. Would you take 80? No. So like, I'm like just throwing every offer out 
And uh, finally, like an amazing negotiator that I that I am, uh, I got him down to ninety two thousand dollars, right? Okay. And uh, I kind of I feel like it's a deal. I I feel, and, but then again, I'm like I'm not too sure. So I end up sending the contract. Uh, totally mess up the contracts. Like send him a, an option agreement instead of a purchase agreement. And uh, you know, fast forward, he ended up signing those those two uh, those two contracts. And then I sold the deal in two days. And all I did is I called the for rent by owners in the area and I, uh, I, I, you know, left voicemails and let them know that I had two properties in South Phoenix and I left probably like 10 voicemails and a guy calls me back the next day and he says, Hey, uh, you, you know, you left the voicemail. Um, what's the details? I give him the details. He's like, Oh, I live down the street. I'll go drive him." 30 minutes later. He calls me back. It's like two days after I got the contracts. Um, he calls me, he calls me back and he says, how much do you want for them? Well, I hadn't, I didn't think that far ahead because I didn't know if they were even deals. Um, and the first number that came in my mind was 105,000, right? So I just threw it out there and the guy said, I'll take them. I'm like, dang, I should have said one, 110, 115, right? Um, but fast forward from this was, uh, you know, like a Monday, that same Friday, um, I got the deal under contract. I opened up uh, escrow, found the buyer by Wednesday and then by Friday, the cash buyer closed all cash and I had a check for $13,000. And before I had about maybe 80 bucks, maybe just over a hundred bucks. And fast forward to Friday, I had $13,000. And from that moment on, the proof of concept was real. I knew that it wasn't the business. It was, it was me and my efforts um, and my skill sets that I had to improve on. And it just all clicked for me, right? And and I mean, now this was 18, uh, I, yeah, 18, 19. Um, and it just shifted everything like that. That was my first deal. But I look back at those nine months and I just realized like, man, it was it was those, it was a struggle that made me who I am. Right. That built my capacity, that built my patience in this business, that that built that built the the grit that it requires, because even as you hit six figure months, right? Like you still hit these dips and you have overhead and expenses. And I'm here, you know, at at my office building now. And it's like, those nine months taught me so much. Like I never took any deal for granted. And I always just like controlled the controllables and, uh, and just kept the, you know, positive outlook looking forward. And, you know, from, uh, this was 2016 when I closed my first deal, I was a, you know, one man show 2016 uh, closed uh, 12 deals for 120,000. So I was 19 by then. So I closed over six figures at 19. Uh, really, as a hobby business, like I was like yeah. renting like a $300 room, you know, playing basketball and and video games, and I was making you know average 10k a month. Um, my I mean my marketing was like you know 15,000 that year. So like I I profited and I kept a lot of it in the bank. I didn't buy no crazy car um, at you know at the time. Yeah. So like, I just, I just didn't take it for granted. And, and, uh, you know, so I went from 12 deals and then I really doubled down on my education when it came to real estate, uh, you know, attended a few events, masterminds and, uh, you know, what happened, uh, from, you know, 2016 to 12 deals, I went from 12 deals to 52 deals, uh, the next year. Right. I hired a, an acquisition manager. I had five cold callers. Uh, this is 2017. And, uh, and uh, we closed 615,000 in wholesale deals. So like this huge jump from like 120 kind of hobby business 
to actually taking it like a business. Like I just, I didn't want to just be a hustler. I actually wanted to have a business and, uh, and that's what happened. And, and, uh, throughout the last years, um, you know, I have a, a brand now by the name of offerhome.com and, uh, you know, we have done a hundred deals in 19 and 20, and, uh, we are definitely on track for this year again. So it's been, you know, 350 plus deals since the start of my journey, but it, you know, and I, you know, we've been able to do amazing things now from, you know, we do events and, uh, we have, you know, we have a solar company and data company and all this other software and, uh, you know, just segueing on to developments and, you know, drive, you know, drive my dream car and, you know, kind of, uh, travel when I want and just really like, it's just been a, it's been a whole, you know, it's completely turned around from what it was at 18. Right. But it all started with that first deal. Like if that, that first deal never happened, obviously I wouldn't be here, but it was the lessons that I learned, uh, throughout that, throughout that journey. And now it's just, it's been a complete blessing, you know, all praise to God, but it's just, it's been amazing. Wow. That's, that's truly inspiring. I I mean, the, the one thing I want people to understand is a lot of people know you, they, they see you on Instagram, they see you on YouTube and they might see you, they, they, they see the Bentley, they see the awesome stuff. And like it, the reason why I always love bringing up stories like that is because they, they see the end result. You, they, you have a sick office, you, you got like, you got the whole team and everything, but they, they didn't really see the hard work it took. They didn't see the Ford Taurus. They, they didn't see the d- depression getting started. I, I mean, I just, I know sometimes it's interesting just bringing up those stories, but I think it's so important for people to have context. Like what's behind the man of Alex? Yeah. I mean, people, you know, they kind of see the, the outer, right. But you know, the inner struggles and battles that, you know, I face and everybody has faced, right. Cause we're all human. Um, you know, that, that's what ultimately, um, you know, makes you right. And, um, I think the biggest, you know, breakthrough for me in my journey is like, it's not about winning and losing. Like it, it's not, and I actually posted this today. It's like about winning and learning, right? Because in every loss, mm-hmm. every struggle, every, uh, you know, just every obstacle and just every time that you've been down and you feel like there's no way out and, and maybe you're, you're, you're spending your last dollar to make, you know, to make your dream happen. Like, even even though they, at that time they feel like losses, they're always lessons, right? So if we can reflect back on our on our past or maybe our current situation and just learn from what it learn from all the things that happened to that have led us to this point, then you're going to just learn lessons so much quicker that are going to serve you, right? Like for me, like one of the biggest things was I had a victim, you know, mindset, right? Like I I felt I felt like I deserve like I felt like I deserved like a deal, like, um, like it was like, I felt like entitled to success. Right. Like, like I, I did, I'm like, like, it's for me, it was like, Oh, well this person's successful. Like, and it was never like, I'm better than them, but it was like, I'm just as good as them. Like, why isn't, why isn't it for me? Right. So like, uh, being like, for me, it was like the victim mindset and just realizing like nothing's, you know, nothing's promised, right. You really have to earn everything. Um, and the faster that you learn from your mistakes in the past, the faster that you are going to earn. So for me, it's, I look back at all those struggles and moments and, uh, they've all been lessons, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, the great, uh, they have all just been, you know, a combination of, you know, who I am today 
And, uh, you know, I look, I'll say this, but, you know, before I, um, you know, stay quiet, um, you know, like who you are today, who you are today at this moment is a sum of all things, right? That's the mm-hmm. good, the bad, the ugly, the great. So like for me, like I look, I look back at, at my journey, like I wouldn't change a thing, even the stuff that really hurt me, right? Like I wouldn't change a thing because I love who I am today, right? I love that I have all those experiences and lessons to prevent me future pain, to allow me to uh, to be a better person, businessman, soul, you know, boyfriend, brother, you know, and uh, and son. So like, you know, every everything accumulated is who you are today. So like, I don't wish to change anything uh, because I've already, you know, learned the lessons that were required. Definitely. So yeah, I really appreciate it. I know you're wearing an all-in uh, entrepreneur hat. So really quickly for everyone, yeah. that logo, everyone sees it. Um, what is that logo and uh, what is that all about? Yeah, so um, yeah, so all in, all in entrepreneurs, all in nation.com. Um, man, this was really a huge passion project for us, right? Like, you know, 2016, 17, 18, uh, went to a lot of masterminds, attended a lot of events, invested a lot into self-education, which is one of the biggest reasons why, you know, I continue to scale and scale at a you know consistent rate is because of self-education right so in 2018 june of 2018 uh, we decided to throw our first event and the reason for that is we went to a, a, uh, about two masterminds early 2018 and uh you know it's it's a you know a mastermind just an event where you know 10 15 20 people gather and they share their business right so but every time uh for those two events we shared our business everybody was like asking us like every question in the book how'd you do this how do you train your cold callers how do you run a sales team how do you hire how do you track your numbers so it became a lot of questions right and when we go to masterminds it was only like a 30 minute time slot so you really can't explain your whole business in 30 minutes right so uh and and we went to the masterminds and you know they weren't the best thing and it was like uh like i know we could do better right like and the marketplace you know people need I mean, you, I mean, you get, you know, I get hundreds of messages. I imagine you do too. And it's like, it's really hard to answer to everybody. But if, you know, for us, if you throw an event, you could just really focus your your time and tension, energy and your knowledge and wisdom into that event. So then uh, we went to those masterminds and we just felt like, man, like, you know, we, we could throw something really good. And um, what happened, <laughs> what happened was like, this is our first time throwing an event. We have no prior uh, experience and uh, we decided to throw a uh, you know it was a five thousand uh, dollar event and uh, our first one and uh, we we limited at sixty people from the venue that we got we didn't think that sixty people were going to show up and we actually had sixty five like sixty five sixty six people show up to our first event I mean no ads all fit you know all organic Facebook uh, marketing where we just posted about the event but because we documented our our business you know journey. Like I've documented from my first deal, you know, from my first six figure month to my team, to getting, you know, to getting my first office space, to buying our office building. Um, so like, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of trust in the fact that we do deals, right? Like I'm not just teaching and not doing deals. Like I'm actually doing deals, right? Like I, I'm, I'm adapting with the economy. I'm adapting with new marketing strategies. You know, what worked in 2016, I mean, it still works now, but it doesn't work to the magnitude of it, that it worked back then. So. Uh, so now we're just, you know, that's that's why we threw our first event. And ever since our first event, it's just been, 
uh, it's been a blessing, right? Like, I mean, hundreds, I mean, thousands of, you know, people that have come through our events, uh, you know, to our, uh, to our momentum event, which is our two day, uh, you know, scaling event, you know, where we take, you know, you know, those that are doing one to three deals a month and get them, um, you know, the, the blueprint to really scale into a multiple six figure, seven figure operation. Right. And we've seen, I mean, we've seen so many people come through, right? Like, um, I will, I mean, if you need, if you need, you know, the success stories, I can give you hundreds of them, but like, there's so many people that have come to our events, they've gone out and they've totally crushed their market. Right. And more importantly, not just make a bunch of money, but like really become better leaders and impact their communities and their families. So like, you know, our core values, I think it's on this side, our core values are, you know, God, family hustle. Right. And that's, that's been the driving force. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on, on faith. I would not, I do believe that I would just, I just would not be here if it wasn't for, uh, for my faith in God. Um, and then, you know, family, right? Like our, our, our values, um, you know, for us are, are of, you know, of, of higher principle where it's like, we don't prioritize, you know, making money over spending quality time with the people that we love and admire. So like, uh, you know, all is just a, a beautiful community, bro. And, uh, you know, for those that, you know, just want more education, um, it doesn't have to be paid. I'm not asking you to buy anything, uh, but, you know, feel free to YouTube all in entrepreneurs, all in nation. And, uh, you know, you be the judge. Definitely. Um, at the end of this video, guys, I know this is live right now, but at the end screen, there's going to be two podcasts. I'm going to put on there. One of Carlos Reyes and one of Sal Shakir. Um, I'm telling you, I've from all of my podcasts and from the hours I've spent with all of you, you guys have one common denominator, in my opinion, and it's really that you've all had struggles before and you guys all keep your egos out of it and you just go just help. And uh, that's something I do appreciate. I think you've talked about masterminds before and some of these masterminds, I'm going to be honest, like it's all ego, it's all yeah. fluff. And um, I appreciate you going in the actual de details and the weeds of things and really helping people out. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's been an honor. And uh, I can't, you know, it's it's still early. So I can't I can't see where this this ship goes. Definitely. Uh, so let's get into it. We know your story. Um, we know you're doing, uh, let's say pretty well. Um, you're definitely blessed uh, in your business, but uh, you're doing seven figures now. So you do the calculations yeah. Those are six figure weeks, uh, six figure months. Um, months. So break it down for everybody. How does somebody go from five figures to six figures to seven figures a year. Yeah. So, um, for, for really big departments, right. Um, number one, a lot, a lot of it, it comes down to capacity, like hands down capacity, right? Like, like you can, like somebody can put, you know, 20, $30,000 into marketing. Um, but they may not have the team ready for that. Right. So, when I say capacity is like, how much can you withstand? How, how, how many conversations can you have on a daily basis? Right. Um, so like for me, it's, uh, if I were to prioritize them, it'd be probably number one, your people. So you have to have a team. Like you have to have a team. Now I'm not saying you need a team of 10, 15 people. I mean, we've been up that high, uh, but it's like, you have to have a team, um, especially on the acquisition side, you cannot scale to seven figures. Um, if you don't have if you don't have the team to to field those calls right so number one is the team um you know we have five acquisition managers in our in our business um 
that are on the phones every single day, right? So the difference between a five-figure company and a seven-figure company is, um, you know, for somebody that that is maybe a one-man show right now, is, you know, how if I were to ask you, like, how many calls are you making on a daily basis? Um, it's not going to compare to the amount of five people, right? Like, let's just like, I mean, any, you can ask anybody in the world, who's going to win, a team of five or a team of one, right? So that that to me is where you start multiplying your time. So like if a one man show, you got, you know, say you put eight hours, six to eight hours, call it eight hours a day into your business. I have a, I have a sales team of five people and that's 40 hours a day. So my 40 hours a day uh, don't compare to your eight hours a day, right? So that's number one, like, like just the, the you have to leverage a team um, for, for time and expansion of capacity. That's number one. Number two is you have to have uh, the proper marketing channels, right? Like I, um, it, it comes down to leads, like hands down. I mean, you could have a, you, you could have a team already, but you may not have enough leads. If you have a team of five people and you're only getting three leads a day, that's not going to cut it. Right. So, but if you're getting, you know, 50 to 60 leads a day, which I think that we're about there right now, then, you know, the five people are always going wow. to be, uh, fed, like they're always going to be fed. So, um, so then, you know, so that it's marketing, uh, which is your lead flow. Um, I feel like people, like in order to scale into seven figures, um, you can do it, uh, hold on. you can do it, um, you know, through niche lists, but you really have to start targeting, you know, other marketing lists. So like in order to keep uh, a team of five acquisition managers busy, uh, you have to produce some some leads. So you can't like I can't focus all of my marketing efforts into, you know, an inheritance list because in Phoenix, it's only maybe a few hundred a month or maybe even a hundred. Right. So like a hundred people, a hundred leads is not going to feed a sales team. So then I have to um, be broader in marketing. I have to you know, I'm targeting more of high equity. Now we have cold callers. Uh, we have PPC. You know, we got, we do a lot of digital advertising with offerhome.com and uh, you know, that keeps the team busy. So like, I guess the difference, the main difference of, you know, just to, to clear it up is um, it, the difference between a five, you know, maybe low six figure to a seven figure company is, you know, the your team and what you can handle as far as, you know, how many uh, outbound calls and then how many leads you actually talk to and then your marketing, right? Like you can't have, if you have a team with no marketing, it's not going to work. And if you have a bunch of marketing with no team, it's not going to work. So th those are the two biggest pillars. Um, and then, then, I mean, third and fourth, I would say uh, maybe your dispositions, you know, selling your deal. Uh, I, I truly feel like a lot of wholesalers sell their deals too fast, right? Like they, they invest in the marketing, they put in all this work, they follow up with the seller for three, six, shoot, sometimes a year. You know, they, they put all this time and energy and effort and their money. And then once they get a deal under contract, they sell it within 30 minutes, right? Versus maximizing your disposition price. Like we don't sell any deal that we have. We give it anywhere from 24 hours to 48 hours, right? We get as many offers as we can on the property to sell it for the highest price because I'm in a for-profit business. I'm not like my real, I have a charity, I have a foundation, but my real estate company is for-profit, right? Like we have to keep the lights on. Like, you know, this office building isn't cheap, right? So like, uh, plus the overhead. So um, so that that's something that somebody can focus on to really, 
uh, increase their numbers, right? Like if, you know, example, if somebody did, you know, 30 deals last year, um, you know, what if you were a little better on your disposition process and you maximize the number um, and you took maybe better pictures and a video walkthrough and you maybe cleaned out the house so you can sell it to the highest, you know, for the highest price. And over 30 deals, say you got, you know, $3,000 more on average, that's $100,000 on just one fix, right? So like being able to see your business and saying, okay, in my marketing, what can I maximize? And do I need more leads? Well, if I need more leads, can we even handle that? On the acquisition side is, you know, how many leads do I need to get a deal, right? Like that's the biggest uh, factor in acquisitions. Like how many leads to a deal, right? Because if I know that for every, you know, 50 leads, I get one deal, then it just becomes a numbers game. I just know that for every, you know, 50 leads that we bring in from cold calling and our marketing channels, you know, the conversion, the conversion should be one deal. Um, so that, I mean, that's, th those are some pointers that I can give for the difference uh, in, you know, five figure uh, to seven figure company. Uh, a lot of it is mindset and, and, uh, and tolerance for risk, right? Like, I, I don't see marketing as an expense. Like I personally don't, I've been in the business for years now. Like, and really if you ask any business owner that's been in business for, for a long time, um, marketing is not an expense. Marketing is an investment, right? Like marketing is an investment. So it's, it's these mind shifts to, um, to really begin to increase your budgets and begin to increase your company. I don't see people as an expense. Sometimes they are if they don't convert, but like for the most part, like a new hire is an investment, right? Um, like we do, uh, we do uh, 90 day, uh, more like really trial periods. So it's like 2000 to $2,500 base. So like I know for every new hire on the acquisition side, we have a good team now, but on the new hires, it's like, okay, if they don't close a deal, then I, you know, I lose out six to, you know, $7,000, but really, it, you know, it's like when it comes to hiring somebody, like if you're looking at like the loss of, you know, maybe $6,000, like, and you're not thinking about the hundred thousand dollars in deals that they can bring you. Well, you know, you're kind of looking at the wrong thing. So like my whole point is like, don't focus on, on the, the loss, like be aware of that, but like really ask yourself like, dang, okay, what could this be? Right? Like, because one good hire can make you can close, you know, 300,000, $500,000 in deals. Right, like, like, and so those are some of the mindset hurdles that you have to get over. It's like, uh, in order to scale, um, you have to you have to invest in people, you have to invest in marketing, and you got to get out out of your own way. Um, I knew I knew for me when I first started, uh, I felt like nobody could do it better than me. <laughs> so like, and I feel like that's that's a common case between entrepreneurs, you know, among amongst amongst most for sure, um, but. What we have to realize, like you only have a hundred percent to give, and if you're giving twenty five percent to marketing, twenty five percent to acquisitions, twenty five percent to dispositions, and then twenty five percent to you know operations, books, and you know learning, you know watching podcasts and self education, you're kind of stretched out too thin, right? But if you can hire a disposition manager to fully put a hundred percent of his time into that, and I just cleared out twenty five percent of my time. Um, you know, maybe I have to give pointers here and there, but like for the most part, like now my disposition department's, you know, fully automated. Um, and it's just about letting go of the vine so you can create more, uh, you know, no seven figure company 
you know, majority of most seven figure company, it's not a one man show, right? Like you need help. Uh, it's a necessity. You just have to look at, at those things as investments versus expenses. Definitely. Uh, I mean, the, the one thing I do have to ask, cause you run a very, very good uh, company going with your seven figures. How do you find, cause I, I think you mentioned that like no one can be as good as you. Um, what are your acquisitions guys? Uh, is it Andy Garcia? Is he your like big acquisitions guy? Yeah. Yeah. He's my sales director. Um, he's in charge. How do you get a guy like that? That dude is an absolute beast. Like how do you find guys like that for your business? Because I mean, just hearing some of that, his stuff, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I've known him since I was six, so I've been kind of blessed. <laughs> um, oh, but no, actually, when, when he first joined the team, he was, you know, he was working at Domino's and really had no sales experience, like at all, right? Um, and I think the biggest things is like you have to give, um, you have to support your um, your your team members in a way where they can run too, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't just as a business owner, you can't just hold everything that you know in your head. You have to create a structure and a process for them to learn so then they can en- enhance it, right? So for the biggest things that like that I could share, like just from a leader to raising another leader or, you know, to, to elevating and expediting another leader, um, you know, he's a sales director now, um, but it was really structure and then the process. So when I say structure, it's like uh, uh, that would come down to like a set of you know, expectations, a set of uh, procedures and a sales. And then on the process side, it was a sales process. Uh, so it's like, um, you know, and then on the sales process, it's um, really the way we handle calls and then and then how we uh, do performance management where it's uh, where there's accountability and responsibility to those calls. So like we do a lot of weekly meetings, um, you know, we. Uh, I mean, a great book that I recommend uh, is Traction by Gino Wickman. Mm-hmm. I mean, that book like shifted everything when I was about 19. Um, just, you know, just the fact that you can really organize your business in a way to have people win. Right. Um, but yeah, I, would, I wouldn't say like, I know I definitely got lucky, but it wasn't like in the beginning, it wasn't like all sunshine and rainbows. Like Andy did have to learn a lot, but because you give people exactly what they need, eventually they just rise up and uh and for for me it happened happened pretty quickly but um yeah i mean have i found another andy uh no but i believe i believe they're they're out there (laughs) (laughs) definitely so uh yeah Yeah. i mean managing people is just one of the hardest parts of running a seven-figure wholesaling business but uh this brings me next to my next thing is can you share with the audience what your current structure looks like in your wholesaling business like what does the average deal look like? What's the marketing channel? How is it getting sold? Yeah. How is it getting acquired? And what markets are you doing? Yeah, so uh, let's talk marketing first. So marketing, we are uh, primarily digital marketing that consists of uh, pay-per-click, uh, Google ads, wow. um, uh, and then uh, SEO, so search engine optimization, uh, where we rank in really some, you know, a handful of parts throughout the U.S., and then, uh, and then Facebook, we do Facebook ads as well. Um, so that's, that's our digital marketing. Um, and then cold calling is our second. Um, we have six callers right now. Um, I've been as high as like 20, 21 callers. 
Um, but we we like to, you know, we have six good ones. And then um, and then the third one would be SMS. So we do do, uh, I mean, we've been doing SMS marketing since like 2017. Um, and there's been a lot of changes recently, but um, those are our three like, you know, core strategies. Um, I mean, I've done, I've done every marketing you could think of, um, but we, we keep, we get a lot of consistency with, with those three. I think the most consistency in my opinion, has been digital marketing, uh, solely for the fact that, uh, many people, there is a lot of people on it, but it's not as saturated as, uh, you know, cold calling or these offline marketing methods. Uh, so that's marketing on the personnel structure. Uh, so it's, it's me. Um, you know, CEO, it's Andy, COO, sales director. Um, my brother is a dispositions and then asset manager. So he handles our flips, um, rentals, and, uh, and he handles, he handles all of the dispositions selling every single deal on, uh, you know, through our wholesale business. Um, and then, uh, Andy under Andy, uh, he has, uh, four acquisition managers. Um, that are on the phones, you know, pounding the, you know, the, the concrete. And then on the disposition side, we have an admin, uh, uh, and admin slash um, disposition assistant. So she handles uh, a lot of the paperwork, uh, transaction coordination. Um, and that's pretty, I only have, I mean, I have my realtor as well. So he's in-house. Uh, so he handles all of our retail listings. Uh, because on the online side, we get a lot of leads and a lot of those are for the most part, a lot of retail. So we have, uh, so we have retail leg of our business and then under him, he has three agents under him that help him, uh, with the day-to-day -day stuff. So, um, so that's, so in-house, that's it. I mean, I have a digital campaign manager. Um, you know, he does all our online stuff. Everything else is really outsourced. Like we have VAs that handle and, uh, and all the uh, KPI uh, spreadsheets, um, but for the most part, um, yeah, everything's pretty, really, really lean. Right? I mean, we have a full-time uh, CFO in, in our office building that handles not just the wholesale side, but all of our companies. Um, so it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, we we run pretty pretty lean. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's pretty much the structure. Um, what was the other question? Uh, I mean, as far as the process, um, on our leads, I mean, it's fairly simple, right? So we, you know, we put out marketing, we never stop marketing, uh, you know, on our, we never stop our marketing channels, even in 2020, we didn't stop, uh, kept it consistent. So we, uh, so, you know, we, we put out marketing leads come all directly to our Podio, uh, which is our CRM service, uh, that we use. Uh, so we keep track of all the leads through there. And then our acquisition managers, uh, we have a, uh, a 30 minute rule. Like if it's a if it's a new lead, it has to be contacted before 30 minutes or before. Uh, no waiting, even if it's nine o'clock at night, like there should be a call. Um, so then all the leads go into our podio, acquisitions uh, go in there and you know they call the new leads, follow up leads, um, and everything's pretty organized in, in, our, in our CRM uh, service. And then let's say, uh, you know, we get a deal under contract, uh, all the markets that we're in, uh, we're primarily in Phoenix, Vegas, and uh, California, uh, mainly uh, the Bay Area. Uh, so, I mean, we've done deals all throughout California, but our primary in California is, is San Francisco Bay, Oakland area. And then uh, I would say like 60% of our, no, actually probably, 
Uh, what did I say? 40% of our deals are in Phoenix and then 30% of our de deals are in Vegas. And then the other, uh, you know, 30% are in California. So throughout those markets, I mean, we've wholesaled in like, I mean, you name it. I mean, Texas, Colorado, I haven't done Utah, uh, Texas, uh, Florida, uh, Vermont, Connecticut, like, I mean, Kansas City, Oklahoma, like, I mean, just like so many cities like throughout the, the US that we, we've done a ton of deals everywhere. Um, but our main, you know, we just focus on our on our markets that, you know, have been the most profitable for us. Um, and the, the average profit per wholesale is like in California, uh, like we just closed one today for 33,000. Um, so our average is, I mean, those are above 30. Like our last one was like 40. Um, and those are actually pretty small assignments compared to some uh, wholesalers out there. Um, but we, we've been consistent with at least 30K plus on the, uh, on the California side. And then on the Vegas side, we are, uh, we're probably averaging about like 20, 19, 20, 20,000. And then in Phoenix, um, our goal now is to flip more in Phoenix, but our average is about 16 to 17,000 uh, in Phoenix. Um, so it's, a, it's one of our uh, lowest um, wholesale averages, uh, but we get the most amount of deals here. So, so it kind of balances out. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I gave a kind of an overview. Is there any other questions you want me to elaborate on? No, or anything. That's, I mean, we're getting a lot of questions on the uh, comments here. So everyone's wanting to know what list are you bowling? List. So when it comes to lists, I mean, uh, let's say, cause for cold calling and our, uh, our SMS, um, well, like I was mentioning earlier, like we, we pull really big lists, right? So like for me, the last, well, me and Sal, what we did is for the last two years, uh, we pulled the entire County, uh, of wow. Phoenix. So, so it was like 800, 700, 800,000 records, skip traced it all. Um, so then that's a, I mean, it was, it was very pricey, but, um, but that, that gives us such a big list to, you know, not have to worry about it. So that, that's like, that was like what we did, but like, if, you know, if, to answer your question, um, I think that the best list and just really any market, um, are the ones that are probably preached about the most, right? You have your absentee. I think absentee is one of the greatest lists that you can pull. Um, you know, most people will say, well, everybody's hitting those. Right. And I would say there's a lot of variables because there is, uh, you know, I would ask like, what, what data are you using? Right. Like are you using quality skip trace data? Um, you know, are, how is your cold calling? Right. Because you may call a lead and then I call a lead and maybe I get the lead and they want to sell to me, but maybe you just took a bad approach or you didn't stick to, you know, to the point, or it's just something happened in your conversation where, you know, they were turned off by your conversation. But for me, it's, it's a lead, right? Um, not only that, but like we can call the same list and, you know, say we have the same skip trace data and then we cold call them, but, but maybe, you know, may, just maybe, maybe uh, my sales team is just much better than your sales skills. Right. So um, I think that I, I never, there is a lot of good lists, right? Like, you know, your absentee, inheritance, probates, uh, code violations, vacant land. Like there, there is a lot of good lists, but ultimately what you want to focus on is your skill set, right? Uh, because me and you, me and you can, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying you, but like me, whoever's watching this generally, we can have the same hundred leads, right? 
And it's going to come down to who is better on the phones and who can solve, you know, the seller's problems. So I think a lot of people focus too much on the list and not enough on their sales skills. So then by the time they get leads, you're competing with, you know, people that are really, uh, you know, focusing on what they should be focused on, which is their sales skills. Because anybody can produce leads, right? But not everybody can close deals. So, um, you know, you want to focus on more of your, your sales process and sell skills. You want to focus on that much more than, you know, fixating on what list should you pull? Because again, you could pull any list, but it, it's a matter of, can you solve the seller's problems? And can you close? It's two simple things. Wow. I mean, that's it. I mean, that 800,000, that's, I can't imagine skip tracing yeah. on that, but wow. Wow. So a follow-up <laughs> yeah. question from a snozies here. He says, how often do you hit basically each list, I guess? Yeah. So uh, it depends on the list. So if it's like a pre foreclosure, um, you know, depending on the, you know, the auction date, I mean, we typically don't hit it more than like two to three times, um, mm. you know, contact attempts, um, unless it's like, we know it's a deal and we're going after it. But like, if it's an absentee list, um, I mean, we hit it as many times as we can, because for example, like say it's like a 20 plus year ownership list. Um, most sellers, like say you have a thousand leads, or actually for us, it's a lot more, but let's just say, let's actually say 10,000. So you have 10,000 leads that are 20 plus year ownership, right? What makes you think that next year or in six months, all of them are going to sell, right? Like they're, they've already owned it for 20 years, right? Three months is not a, I mean, they're not just all going to sell, right? So those leads are still very good leads. Um, so like I, I wouldn't, like there, my answer to the question uh, would be, I mean, <laughs> as many times as you can, but if I were to say it a, a number, I mean, I would say anywhere from like eight to 12 times, go around it uh, or hit it continuously. Uh, but it just depends on the lead. Like if it's a 20 plus year ownership list and you got it last year, I would still say that's a good list because not all 20 or not all 10,000 uh, sellers just, you know, got up last year and sold maybe five to 10% of them, but that's still 9,000 leads that you can uh, target that you paid money for because data is not cheap. Oh no, definitely not. Yeah. So, we know, uh, yeah. We know that for a second. So uh, yeah, we're getting a lot of, a lot of comments here. Everyone's loving your stuff. Everyone's motivated. This is great. Um, we got lay asks, uh, she says this live motivated me, made an offer on a property, just made one. Wish me luck. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Christopher asks, Hey man, you said you were not organized in the beginning. You said you took nine months. What's your best tip for organizing? Yeah. Um, I would say you have to create a game plan and execute that game plan. You can't just say you're going to do something and then not do it. So like if your goal, like if your goal is to get a deal, you know, my goal is not to, you know, like my goal for you and I don't know if you're, you've done deals or not, Chris, but like um, go after like the hundred no's, like make that your goal. Like, hey, I want to call, I want to call uh, and make offers and get a hundred no's because that's just going to take you closer to, to your yes. Um, so to get organized, I'll just make sure that when you set a game plan or you say you're going to do something, actually do it. And don't feel like if you set a game plan of getting a deal, make it reasonable, like make it actionable steps. So it's like, okay, if I have to, um, you know, get my first deal. My goal is to, and I don't know your time, but it's like, I'm for, 
you know, four hours every single day, you know, I, um, I can, uh, for four hours every single day, what I'm going to do is cold call. I'm going to call seller leads and then I'm going to make, you know, offers, right. Um, you know, to the seller leads. So like you have to make it measurable goals. Uh, so then you can stay consistent. So like if you, if your goal every single day was, I want to make 10 offers a day and that's all you did, eventually you're, you're going to compound all those offers where you're going to get a deal. Like it's inevitable if you continue to do that. Now, I don't know if it's going to take you six weeks or nine months like it took me, but uh, my point's like you want to do, uh, you know, daily tasks that you say when you say you're going to do them, you do them. That ultimately is for that goal, that outcome that you that you desire. Um, I think I think the biggest mistakes that I did during the nine months is like I was busy, but I wasn't doing like money producing activities. Like I was like learning and I was like trying to learn all this data stuff versus just picking up the phone and making offers. So in order to get organized, just focus 80% of your day on money producing activities. And that's going to expedite, you know, everything else. Um, and I mean, just some organization resources. Like I use a Todoist. Uh, Todoist is an app where you can, it's a task management app. Um, there's an app called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, uh, track. So it's a, it's a tracker. So you could time block, uh, you know, three hours. Um, I use, I mean, I live by my calendar. Like I have to have a calendar invite or it just doesn't happen. Like, right. Like either you rule your time or your time rules you. So like, I'd rather rule my time knowing exactly what I have to do every single day. So then just set deadlines, right? Like if, you know, if you want to get organized, you have to get it from your head to paper and, uh, you know, that could be to calendar as well, but <clears throat> you have to get super clear on what you want, uh, in order to do that. And then the last tip is like, uh, when it comes to like having productive time, it's about the quality of time that you put into your business and not the quantity. So you want to make sure that when you say you're going to work four hours, you're not just busy for four hours, you're actually doing money producing activities, right? So I always keep an 80-20, like 80% of the time I'm doing something that either, uh, you know, uh, elevates my leaders, elevates my revenue, or elevates, you know, the business, right? Like it's those simple things, 80% of the time, I'm doing things to elevate some part of the business or leader or, you know, revenue. And then 20% of the other time, I'm, you know, I'm doing research and development, I'm reading a book or I'm watching a podcast or I am, uh, you know, reviewing old notes for masterminds or I'm networking. So like, although like those are all productive stuff, you have to realize like the money producing activities, you know, come in this business, come down to uh, marketing, right? Getting marketing, get the phones ringing, talking to people, closing deals, like marketing, talking to people, closing deals. Like those are the money producing activities. So don't actually, this is a huge lesson for everybody. Um, I used to focus, I used to try to like, I was like OCD freak about the business. I'm like, man, like I want everything to be perfect. Right. Um, but then I would like neglect like marketing, right? Let's like, Oh, I need to better my disposition process. So then I just like, don't even pay attention about marketing. And I'm focusing on dispositions. Um, so my point, like my point here is like, if you focus on a certain part of your business, just make sure that your business is still flowing in the areas that matter, right? Because you can fix problem as long as you're making money in this business, you can fix any problem. 
right? But at the moment you stop making money in this business and you have problems, well, now you have two problems. You have lack of revenue and lack of really a sound mind because you're focusing on just everything. So just make sure marketing is always going and you're producing on money and you're uh, focusing on money producing activities. Definitely. And uh, we're getting a lot of questions, guys. I can't answer everyone. Some of these questions, uh, Alex has already answered before. Uh, so last couple of questions here for you guys is uh, Anthony asks here, uh, can you break down real quick your pay structure for each team member and how much your company should be profiting in terms of ROI a year after marketing costs and paying each team member? Okay, that's like four different questions. So which one do I yeah. start with? Uh, yeah, so uh, pay structure, I mean, just to keep it you know very direct, we, we do base plus commission and our commission on each deal is 10% gross. Um, and then the base fluctuates from position. So, I mean, two to two to 5,000 base, depending on the, on the leadership position. Uh, but yes, yeah, 10% of, of, uh, gross amount. Um, what's the other question? How much, okay. So how much your company be profiting in terms of ROI a year, uh, after marketing costs and paying each team member. So, um, uh, in the beginning, uh, I mean, I was like at 70, 80%, uh, profitability. Um, even in 2017, uh, I believe it was 72, 71%. So like out of 615,000, I kept 70%. Uh, because it was just a team of cold callers and just paying commissions. But now as you grow, uh, you know, we do a lot of online marketing. So a lot of it's like investing now for the future. Um, I would say a healthy profitability now for my business. Um, after, I mean, before taxes, uh, above 50%. So if I'm, you know, if we make 200,000 a month, my expectation is to uh, keep over just over a hundred thousand. Um, and that's after paying everybody. So, and that's, you know, very reasonable if you have, you know, systems in place and you track your numbers. Um, so that's, that's what I would shoot for uh, when it comes to a bigger business. Um, but uh, if you're a one man show, you know, you could be, you could be very profitable depending on the marketing that you're doing. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see a lot of people do is like they'll get a deal, say by driving for dollars and they'll take all that money and dump it into like cold calling. Right. Versus focusing on how you got your first deal or how you actually made money. So, um, you know, if you if you got a deal a certain way, uh, you know, keep keep at that. Right. Don't stop that and add on to that. Don't don't say I'm just going to jump from driving for dollars to cold calling and forget about driving for dollars keep both right because you already know a proven model and process on how you got your deal by driving for dollars and then to learn cold calling is a totally new thing so just make sure you keep that consistency with what has worked and then you add on um to you know make make it more work make it work more definitely great answer uh, so last question here is uh donna asks since you're doing your virtual wholesaling here uh do you make offers on the first call and how are you determining value so quickly? Great question. Uh, we, we do make, okay. So it depends. So if it's a cold call lead and it's already been qualified and it's in our system, we do make offers on the first call from the acquisition standpoint. Right. But our cold caller is not making the offer. Um, if it's a direct mail call, uh, we don't make offers on the first call because we're fielding it. Um, it just really, it depends a lot of, on the conversation and lead flow, but, 
uh, for the most part, like my sales guys are making offers on the first call. Um, not my cold callers, but my sales guys. And then how I determine value so quickly. Uh, well, for us, we've been in Phoenix, Vegas, and California for a few years now. So we know the pockets. We know the, you know, we have buyers. We have immediate buyers that will tell us their price so we can negotiate back and forth. Um, but I would, you know, for us, I'm, I mean, I think the greatest tool is, uh, is definitely the MLS for us. Uh, just because we can, I mean, in under three minutes, just based on square footage, we can see the sold comparables. Um, so we do a lot of square footage um, uh, comping, uh, where it's really quick. So, and that's because of our experience in the market. Um, but yeah, I would, I mean, I would, I would say like a healthy time to comp a property is uh, definitely like under five minutes. Like if you can keep it under five minutes and make that call, you can be pretty efficient throughout the day. Um, you have to, uh, another like value tip that I'll add is when it comes to offers, we don't make hard offers. We don't say, Hey, Mr. Seller, we can do $160,000. We actually do ranges to allow us to, uh, so instead of like saying 160, we say, Hey, Mr. Seller, you know, based on the comparables in the area, uh, we'd be anywhere from 140,000 to 160,000. Is this something that, that, you know, that you would, you know, proceed with. Um, so then we give ourselves a range because we're making offers over the phone. And sometimes, you know, the seller is going to tell us that the property is totally remodeled and we get in there and there's like, you know, popcorn ceiling and, you know, old tile, old sixties tile. So like you give an offer range to be able to easily negotiate after you actually see the property and get pictures. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a tip that I'll add. So, um, and then on the comping, always focus more on the uh, on the ARV, the actual value versus the rehab cost, right? Because if you are, you know, the 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 after repair value is so much more important than the rehab cost, and I'll tell you why. Because if you're ten percent off on a four hundred thousand dollar property, you are forty thousand dollars away from the actual repair va value. Uh, but if you're, you know, 10% off on your rehab costs, well, it's only like $4,000. So we just focus much more on, hey, hey, let's spend more time on the actual value. And then we estimate repairs on square footage. And that typically uh, has helped us tremendously. Wow. Thank you so much for uh, helping these people out. That's a great answer there. So um, last two questions for me is, uh, right now, if you were sitting down with yourself, let's say you're back in that Taurus, um, listen to that radio and you know, you, you didn't know what's going on. What would your number one piece of advice you could give to yourself back when you're 18 years old, no deals, no money. What would you say to yourself? Great question. I mean, it's man, it sounds so so cheesy, but it's take it one day at a time. I think sometimes as, you know, as eager entrepreneurs, right? Um, we, we like patience and in real estate, um, you can win really fast, right? But for the most part, this game is a marathon and not a sprint, right? So um, you have to, you have to take it one day at a time and I'd take it even further. It's like one action at a time, you know, one task at a time. Um, because like if you have a you know you have a huge goal for real estate whether it's a million dollars in a year or 
or I don't know, a million properties in your portfolio. I don't know. Like whatever the goal is, if you keep fixating on that end goal, you're, you're really going to get overwhelmed, right? If I said, hey, you have to make, uh, you know, I don't know, 10,000, 100,000 calls to earn a million dollars, like you wouldn't even know where to start. But if you break that down into, you know, 52 weeks and then four weeks or uh, yeah, 52 weeks and then, you know, you know, five, six days a week and then those six days a week to, you know, eight hours, um, then you could actually get measurable goals. Um, I would definitely say one day at a time, like, and I'll say this, it's like, you know, when you hear the saying, like, how do you eat uh, an elephant? <laughs> and the, the answer everybody says is like one bite at a time, right? But if you think about it, if you eat an elephant one bite at a time, you're going to get pretty full pretty fast. Like you're, like you're going to get full really fast. So then the way to actually eat an elephant is like breaking it down by daily hourly task so it's like every this hour i'm doing this this you know this today this day i'll focus on this and eventually a month later two months later six months later five years later like me you know you, you you've eaten a few elephants and you've accomplished some of the real estate goals that you've strived for so uh definitely one day at a time and you know just some honorable mentions um it definitely self-education you know and that's not in the form of like spending thousands of dollars on courses or events, uh, but start, you know, start with a $5 leadership book, right? Like start with, uh, you know, I mean, you go to thrift stores and get a dollar books, you know, dollar books. So, so it's just committing to the self-learning process to really uh, expand your mental, physical and spiritual capacity. So you can actually, you know, build up the capacity to, to actually build something bigger than just yourself. Um, I think in, in my journey, like the biggest thing is how to manage stress, right? Like how to manage a team of, you know, cause you know, now it's not just real estate company, I have other companies. So it's like how to manage, you know, 30 different personalities in the office and how to, you know, be an optimal leader like that. That to me is, uh, is super important. So if I could go back to my 18 year old self is just really dive deep into, um, to capacity, you know, it's self-education and that's going to help you so much more as you grow. Definitely. Wow. That was, that was amazing. So my last question for you is it's the bag searches podcast. I started as a bag boy with 300 bucks in my bank account. And I ask every single guest at the end, the same exact question. So Alex, if you had $300 in your bank account, you're back at 18 years old, straight out of high school in 2021, what would you do to become the next Alex signs? I would, uh, I would do a few things. Number one is and actually you don't have to spend money, but I imagine that if anyone's watching this, you probably have a phone. If you don't have a phone, you're borrowing a phone. So you still have a phone. Um, I would, <laughs> I would make a list of a uh, hundred people that I know. Um, and I would, even if I don't know a hundred people, I would ask the people if they know five people. Right. So I would just make a network list of a hundred people and call everybody and say that I'm looking to buy a house and I'm, you know, willing to, uh, you know, give them a $500 fee, uh, once the deal closes, right? Not your $300 that you have. So you can make a free list of people that, you know, and just tell people what you do. You're, you're, you, we, we forget that we are our biggest marketing channel, right? Like our voice and our, our voice and our message to everybody. Right. So let people know that you're looking to buy houses. That's something free. You can keep those $300. And just keep doing that until uh, until you get a deal. Uh, but if I were to spend money, um, I would, uh, you know, let's say if you, 
there's no excuse, right? Like if you have a car, I would start driving for dollars. That's the first thing I'll do. Um, and if you don't have a car, take the $300 and go buy a 20, 30, $50 bike and start biking for dollars in, in, yeah. in, you know, in areas, right? Like there's no excuse. Um, it comes, it really comes down to your ability to be resourceful and, uh, and just have a, a winning mindset with, you know, with the fact that it doesn't matter what happens. Like th these are proven methods, right? Like if I, like I'm telling hundreds of people have got deals, probably thousands of people have got deals driving for dollars, right? They're no better than you watching right now. Like it's just about committing to that process and making it happen. Um, and I would take, I mean, I'm probably like at $50 budget right now, but you know, if I were to do 300, um, I would definitely, you know, um, find a, a list, um, you know, a, a really niche list, um, you know, either probate, inheritance, or tax defaults. Um, I mean, even if you start with a list of 100 or 200, however you can afford with the $300 and just commit to cold calling, uh, cold calling those leads. Um, but it really starts like, it really starts with your decision, right? And that decision is, are you going to make it happen? Or are you going to keep telling yourself, oh, when I have $1,000, I'm going to start. Or when I have $10,000, I'm going to start, right? Because I had like $80 when I started, right? And I put a $10 earnest money. Um, and that was all that was needed, uh, you know, to close a $13,000 check. And, you know, I look back and I, I victimized myself for nine months. And it took me into the moment to realize like, man, it wasn't about not having money or having money. It was about my effort and intention on what I really wanted. So, you know, for those, you know, listening to, uh, you know, what we, what we've mentioned so far on this podcast, like just make it happen. Wow. So no excuses. Thank Definitely, man. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast here. Um, how can people get a hold of you and how can people learn more about you and some of the stuff you're doing? I, I saw uh, you got momentum coming up soon. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I mean, how can people get in contact? Yeah. yeah so um, if you want to reach out to me directly, uh, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, Alex Signs. Uh, I think it's yeah right there. And um, if you have any deals in California, uh, Nevada, Arizona, feel free to email them directly to me, alex at allinnation.com, alex at allinnation.com. And uh, that goes directly to me, no assistance. So I could you know immediately tell you yes or no on any deals that you may have. Um, and yeah, our two day momentum. Um, event is uh is, is actually next week so if you're watching this uh -oh. after next week then you're gonna have to stay tuned for the next one uh but if you want any information on that uh go to attendmomentum.com attendmomentum.com and you can check that out uh, and if you're looking you know just to keep up with what we're doing uh and any future events uh that we may have uh that we will have uh because we're here to stay um, you can go to allinnation.com, allinnation.com, and you will find everything that you need to uh, know and learn about you know me, Carlos, Sal, and uh, the All In uh, movement. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, what? Here, here's a question for you. <laughs> what can I do for you? Um, I mean, this has been this has been a lot of fun. I mean, the only thing I can do, man, is just keep you hammering and keep inspiring, man. I, I remember you talked about Jalen White. I used to listen to Jalen White when I was putting stakes in the bandit signs when I started <laughs> out. I mean, I used to listen to all you guys. So um, 
Yeah, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you guys, everyone at All In, they're humble. They take the ego out. I, I truly appreciate it. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to have you on next year when you're not buying a Bentley, you're buying a Gulfstream or whatever crazy stuff you're going on there in the future. Yeah. But uh, I really no, appreciate still- you coming on. Uh, no, of course, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely uh, focus, man. I feel, you know, I, I have everything that I need and now it's just about really scaling to scaling in all areas, right? Like I, I truly want to be the best version of myself in all areas. So that's the mission now. And, you know, I want to help and, you know, push as many people as possible to, to becoming the best versions of themselves. So uh, yeah, it's, you know, I look forward to, to another uh, podcast here soon. And uh, man, I just can't thank you enough. And for everybody watching, keep at it. Uh, if you guys require anything, I mean, we're obviously here, you know, for you guys. So thank you all. Boom. Thank you guys so much. Uh, see you next week for the next podcast. Thanks.